Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Media Will Eat Itself, where we showcase the people behind modern content creation. Each episode will discuss the things that make media tick, talking to professionals from all walks of life. It's a media show about media people, and I'm your host, Sean Weston. Rachel Miller is an internal communications professional who runs her own consultancy, helping people and organisations improve their ability to communicate. You'd think that our ability to communicate is a given, but this is something we overlook on so many levels. In my own experience, I've worked for small companies and huge companies who suffer from the same malady, poor communication. Rachel's job is to go in, recognise what's wrong, suggest fixes and plan ahead for the long-term strategy. Sounds a bit like the A-team actually, and today's conversation is all about revealing some of the ins and outs of internal comms I bet you didn't know about. I mean, what's it actually like to work in internal comms? Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Rachel Miller. I'm an internal communication consultant and I run all things I see. Okay, so tell me what all things I see means. It does what it says on, on the tin. All things I see is exists to help internal communication practitioners be brilliant at communicating inside their organisations. So I've created all things... Sorry. No, no, go ahead. So I created all things I see. um, Well, originally it was my Twitter handle. So I got married eight years ago and changed my existing Twitter handle to be all things I see to represent everything I was tweeting about. And then in 2013, I started my internal comms consultancy and called it all things I see. So what attracted you to internal communications? There must have been something, a a spark that said, this is what I'm good at. I'm going to go with this. Like most internal comms professionals, I fell into internal comms, which is the normal answer when you ask comms pros, how did you, you know, why why did you end up in internal comms? Uh, Most of us fall into it. So I was a journalist, um, had been a journalist for four years and wanted to do something different and wasn't really sure where to go and what to do. So I remember looking on read.co.uk and monster.co.uk, which were the places to look back in 2003 when you wanted to find a job. Absolutely. Um, and I, it was, you know, the way it was done, so before before social media particularly. So I was researching, um, writing in the um, search boxes. So I was searching for writing, editing, interviewing, all the things I loved doing as a journalist. And I discovered the world of internal comms. So I'd never heard of it before. No, and, and what a complicated world it is. Well, indeed. Well, indeed. But it, was, it drew in all the strengths that I already had, and it was a whole new world to me. And I thought, I like the sound of this. I'm going to give it a go. So I discovered the world of internal comms completely by accident, and I absolutely love it. Wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> okay, so for those people who really don't know what internal communications is, can you explain the difference in layman's terms between internal comms and perhaps what we perceive as external comms and where do they align so they align more more than you would think i would say so traditionally internal communication is concentrated on our employees so it's known as employee comms or corporate comms or internal comms we don't we don't make it easy for ourselves and we are focusing <laughs> primarily on how can we enable our people to have the right information at the right time to help them do their jobs so as part of that, you create channels and strategy and content. So that might be face-to-face briefings, it might be intranets, it might be employee magazines, all sorts. You have an absolute plethora of channels when it comes to internal comms. And then the primary focus is, or audience, I don't like the term audience, but the primary, primary audience is um, employees. 
whereas external is obviously faced about facing outside your organisation. So you're influencing and persuading people to say nice things, probably is the, the nicest way of putting it, from an external perspective. But what's happened over the years is that there's been a blurring of lines, particularly through the use of social media, whereas internal communication has always had the potential to go externally. You know, you only an employee magazine left on a bus away from internal comms go, going externally. What we've seen over the years, particularly the last 10 years, is the rise of employee advocacy and people using social media for internal and external communication. So companies are, you know, employees are tweeting about hashtag life at L'Oreal or life yeah. at Diageo. You can get a real insight into an organisation. The internal culture blends externally through the use of, of social media particularly. So actually, while you've been involved in internal comms, it, it has changed so much and, and largely due, due to the technology, but also um, uh, the advent of of marketing in, in a social environment. Definitely. So I think I, I did a postgraduate diploma in internal comms management back in 2008-9, and I chose to make my dissertation focused on the role of social media for internal comms because I had a feeling that it was an area I needed to know more about. And it was really new. There were two case studies globally I could find on who's starting to use these tools and technologies. And God, is that all? Just yeah, two. there were two. So I started my, oh. my blog at the same time. So I, I've been blogging for nine years now. I've published 1,200 articles on the, it's now called the All Things I See blog. It was called Life Through a 2.0 Lens, because that was, <laughs> that's what we were all talking about in, in early 2009 was, was 2.0 and technology and what does it mean for internal communication so in that past decade there's been a huge change not least in the number of platforms available to us in the in the number of you know just the choice that you have as internal comms practitioners mm-hmm. for channels and technologies but what's often missing is the behavioral change that accompanies it so lots of focus now with internal comms is how can we make the right decisions that suit our culture? How can we make the right choice around channels? How do we encourage collaboration? How do we work out loud? And what does this mean for our culture? And therefore, the perception that we have, therefore, the reputation that we have as an employer, how do people view us? So there's been, that all yeah. happened in the last 10 years. I think it had been kind of motoring along, but it's really ramped up to the point now where we're talking about personal branding, we're talking about um, advocacy we're talking about influencers starting inside an organization and influence in the outside rather than outside in so it's hugely yeah, exciting yeah. hugely changing area constantly it's hard to keep up but it's it's fascinating a fascinating world but that, but it, it sounds exciting as well in that all of those things have have changed the way internal comms is has it necessarily changed the way comms is perceived and, and I'm talking here about perhaps, you know, larger organizations that really need internal comms more than more than anyone else. But there is an argument to say that some internal comms have been the domain of HR or some other department and have seen been seen as, you know, the second. Uh, I can't quite think of the, the right word to describe it, but not quite as important as some of the other departments. So do you think the changing landscape of um internal comms has affected people's perception perhaps at a senior level so i think internal communication 
and the perception of internal comms has changed in the last few years. And I think that's because there's a recognition that internal communication exists to help companies achieve their purpose. Everything you do as an internal comms team and practitioner has to be helping your people do their jobs. So it has to be, you have to be able to demonstrate how what you do and the information that you share helps your people cure more patients, sell more widgets, transport more people, whatever it is that your company purpose is, that's your license to operate. That's what you should be focusing on as internal comms practitioners. Anything else is the nice to have. There's always a bit of room for nice to have, but in order to solidify that perception and demonstrate gravitas and demonstrate your worth, it has to be that internal comms is critical to the success of your organization to achieve its purpose. That's it. You know, that's that's crystallized. That's why we're here. So the people who have... I, I audit companies. I've audited about 15, 16 companies over the past five years to analyze their internal communication. And that's all sorts of different companies from London Zoo to London Ambulance Service to PRS for Music, all sorts of different companies. And regardless of what we do as an organization, whether we're mucking our elephants or, you know, saving, <laughs> saving lives, there are fundamental principles of good, effective internal comms yeah. that need to be in place. So I think the more informed that we are, the more data that we have, the more evidence we have inside our organizations of what's working and what's not, the better conversations we can have and therefore the better the perception of what you're doing. So it's for me, it's all about how can internal comms practitioners invest in themselves, train themselves to be better. And I guess it's also about um, having a common goal, that those common goals and people understanding, the employees of a business understanding where the company is going and what the company wants to achieve, I guess it also makes it nice to do your job as well because you're more informed, right? So it works two ways. Definitely, and that that two two way communication is absolutely fundamental. That's something that's continuing to improve. So the real focus we call it employee voice. So our focus on employee voice is about having not just us telling you why you're here and how to do your job, but lots of elements of storytelling and bringing strategy to life and a culture in an organization can be so vibrant but if it's just dictated and mandated from top-down communication very fixed monologue rather than an open dialogue and collaboration which is what all of the tools and technologies talked about a moment ago do after all if we don't have that balance right and it's very much broadcast and informing and telling and saying rather than engaging consulting then we're not going to inspire our people in the right way we need to get them to align their efforts Mm. so having a mindset that says tell us what it's like to work here share your stories you know peer-to-peer communication is incredibly powerful and incredibly important so that's been another shift that we've seen is the role of internal comms has shifted from being content creators to content curators because Everybody now can share content. Everybody now can create content. They can tweet. They can use Yammer or Workplace um, and have their own user-generated content. So that role for internal comms practitioners has shifted, particularly in the last five years. So I'm glad you mentioned storytelling there as well, because it seems to be a common theme uh, talking to the people I've talk to for the series is that storytelling is so, so important. And yet it often seems like that sort of airy-fairy unable to explain kind of vague concept but it's so important in business isn't it delivering that business-centric mm. message and, and adding yeah. value I guess on a two-way basis so tell me what you think is the importance of storytelling when it comes to internal comms 
So I think one of the key parts of storytelling is about role modeling behaviors. So we think about an organization's values and mission and vision. We have all of these lovely things on a wall. And actually what we need to do is bring it to life. And you bring facts and figures and, and positioning statements to life through stories. So you want to role model good behavior. So how are your people demonstrating mutual respect if that's one of your values? You know, how do you share stories about how your people have been working in particular ways. That's how you role model good behavior. That's how you seed ideas and share inspiring stories really across an organization to bring it all to life. So they go from being values on the wall to values that you live and breathe and and really demonstrate as an organization. So stories can be fantastic. You remember them, you know, you remember them more than you remember statements from your CEO is wonderful you know as well written as they might be you can't be a good powerful story no and do those stories have to adapt and change if you're a massive organization and you're in based in different countries mm, that's a good question is that a challenge so, yeah it is, it is a challenge but I think it depends how prescriptive you are so for example um Viva, the insurance people about years ago about 2012 2013 have started to use Yammer uh, and Tony Stewart, who's now an agency called Scarlett Abbott, used to used to work in house um, at Aviva, and he blogged for me about the stories that people were telling via Yammer globally. And they were taking a photograph out of their window, and they were saying, "Here's here's a window on my world." So people, and this wasn't led by the organisation; it was led by the by their employees, by their people, which mm. ma- which makes it better, I think, if it's you know really organic and happens from the ground up, is far more powerful than your comms team saying. Show us a picture of your window. You know, that's just not doesn't <laughs> doesn't yeah. work as well. Yeah. But from a global perspective, that was a story that everyone could get behind because they had their own narrative and they had their own story to share. So when you looked at their Yammer feed, for example, it was just this real vibrant sense of their culture and and what it was like for them to be an employee, and it was fascinating and really, uh, as an employee, I imagine that you just get that sense of community in a way that is natural and it does you can be, get involved in that i think yeah. when you try and overcomplicate stories there's just you tie yourself up in knots there's no need to do that so there's real sophistication and simplicity when it comes to storytelling thinking so of ideas is, is is part of your advice actually going into a company and saying uh, people need the freedom to be able to do that because i, I guess sometimes you know and uh, um an in-house uh, PR team or a marketing team might say, well, we didn't ask you to do that. We didn't tell you to do that. So why did you do that? See, I think that used to be the case. I would think, so we very much were the comms police, you know, many years ago. <laughs> Thou shalt not do this, and you have to be brand compliant, and you have to go by this style. I think actually what's changed is as we have become curators rather than creators, you have to trust your people and encourage them to communicate in the way that suits them. So you give them, I call this, flexibility within boundaries so you give them parameters which might be buzzfeed style you know five things to think about if you're writing a story for the internet for example yeah. and it's very different to send us your content and we'll get the red pen out it's just a different mindset and it's about trust and it's about authentic internal comms coming from the bottom up which is so much more powerful and i want to see that when i'm analyzing an organization i want to see that there's a good mix i want to see you can tell the difference you can tell of course, it's going to be beautifully written if it's written by the internal comms team. And and I actually blogged about this a couple of years ago. I called it wonky comms. So if you think about vegetables in supermarkets, particularly Morrison's now have just launched their, their uh, wonky I campaign. I saw it. Yeah, You've yeah. seen it. Yeah. So, you know, you buy a carrot. It's not perfect, but it's still, it's still 
tastes as it should and it works as it should in a stew, for example, but it's not as polished and perfect as it would have been if it wasn't a wonky carrot. That same mentality is, I call it wonky comms. It's letting go of perfection because actually it's still going to taste and act the same. You know, yeah. analogy. It's, it's still going to act in the way that it needs to, but it's something a bit special and it's not as polished or perfect. But my goodness me, it's powerful. When you see user-generated content, it is so powerful. And it's, it's also less sanitized. The company can come across mm. as sanitized sometimes, can't it? A little bit too clean for its own good. I think that's true. And, and people don't respond to that. So mm. because there has been a change in everyone being able to be a communicator, mm. everyone thinks they can do comms anyway. And now actually they can. Now, now, they, yeah. now we give them tools for them to do it. So I think you can tell. And I think there's been a shift for leadership communication where you know, before 2008, we used to have green screens and we used to have studio studios and film crews come in to do CEO blogs. Yeah. And now we've got leaders walking through offices with their smartphones vlogging on the go and then <laughs> uploading it. You know, and that's brilliant and that's authentic and that is raw and that is far more engaging and far more approachable and interesting, frankly, yeah. for our employees because it's not that polished, sanitized. It's here I am. I'm I'm in the building today. Stop by the third floor, you know, if you want to have a chat. For example, it's yeah. far better. I totally agree, and I can I can think. Sadly, I can think of so many of my former bosses um, who would just it it just <laughs> I can't imagine it. You know, I just can't imagine it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you have so, to get them comfortable. You know, you have to you have to coach leaders and give them spaces to be comfortable. So some of my clients, for example, we've had before, we've had a Yammer rollout to whole organization. We've had closed groups for senior managers to get them used to writing in that way. Because you think about leaders, some of them have never communicated with a whole organization without going through the comms team before. And all of a sudden we're saying, over to you, you can now vlog and blog and, you know, use Workplace or Yammer and over to you, start being authentic and start communicating in a different way. And actually, they've always had a check and balance through a comms team. So part of our role as coaches inside organisations is how can we encourage our leaders and our people to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, with making mistakes, with no edit button and just being raw and real. I know what I'd prefer to read and prefer to see. It's much more engaging, much yeah. more authentic and, and much work, more transparent. Work in a more, yeah, exactly. Transparent is, is the word. Work in a more flat environment where it's less up mm. and down. So there are fewer channels yeah. to go through for, for um, uh, getting permission from people to do certain things. Or, you know, you don't want to rub someone's nose the wrong way as well because you didn't ask me to do that. It, it is about yeah. having that freedom and transparency, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. I'd like to go back to to the very top of this conversation where you said what you did beforehand. So, you know, your background was in journalism and you, you love to write and create. And you found that internal comms would give you an outlet for that. Now, I'm interested in that because there are an awful lot of, uh, I guess, students who are doing degrees in journalism and communications who are not thinking at all. It's, internal comms is not on the radar at all. Um, and it's a, it's a perfectly valid opportunity for them do you think um that we do enough to engage with young people in saying here's a career in internal comms no to, to be honest i think i think conversations have started i think you know there are now internal comms degrees there have been for for a number of years particularly mm. university of lancashire and now down in southampton and by kingston university there are 
internal comms, degrees, postgrads, and masters. And they've been around. Well, I did the Kingston one ten years ago, mm. um, and it's been it was around for at least six or seven years before that. So there definitely are opportunities if you know to look for them. But I think there's initiatives now. So the Institute of Internal Communication, for example, um, I put an article on my blog only last week. They're now encouraging people who are new into internal comms to network with each other. And they're calling it the Future Net Committee, where they're trying to encourage people who are new into internal comms to get up to speed quickly and to meet like-minded people and peers to help them learn about internal comms. Because what you do is so visible that you can't be seen to ask questions you can't be seen to um you know your ceo is leaving and you're an internal comms team of one whether you've just started in internal comms or you've been enrolled for 10 years if the ceo is leaving your job is to do the exit strategy and then with the new one to do a 100 day plan if you've never done that before where do you go and and where do you ask questions yeah um, and Very the short answer to specific that specific skills, yeah, yeah, it is. And and the short answer to that is, I created a network with two friends of mine back in 2012 called the IC Crowd, which exists to do exactly that. So it's um, a network of global communicators, and we tweet at the IC Crowd, and people tweet us and they send us questions privately to say things like that, to say, "Oh my goodness, my CEO is leaving. Has anyone in the crowd done this before? Has anyone got?" a strategy or a template that I can use and then we tweet it and then global comms pros get get together and share ideas and advice and help each other learn so I think to answer your questions about opportunity and thinking about careers I think more needs to be done to yeah. talk about internal comms as a as a profession and talk about it as a solid career choice yeah and and for for people who don't think they can do that as well or it's not for them so it's not just people who are learning about internal comms but also those people for whom internal comms is is a strange thing and they don't f feel like their skill set could uh, be of any use to anyone so uh, what i'm thinking of here is is perhaps a copywriter or a mm. photographer even you know mm -hmm. and these are people that, internal comms what would i do there but there's there so much scope there. Yeah. yeah definitely so I think we used to have really big teams where we'd have copywriters and photographers and in-house designers and everyone would have very clear roles but one thing that we've seen now is because there's more of a blurring between internal and external comms we've moved from being specialists to being generalists so you typically will find smaller teams where people are trained in internal and external comms skills so there's a thriving freelancer market and there's a thriving consultancy market for people who bring in uh, you know, consultants to come and support them to do video creation or or photography or copywriting yeah. because normally we are a team of one or a very small team and then we have a good network and we, and we bring in people to support us as required. So there's certainly opportunities for the professions that, you know, the skill sets that you mentioned, certainly opportunities for internal comms. So in terms of, of um, let, let's think about those students again. What's the best advice that you would give, that you would uh, impart now to aspiring comms professionals? One of the best things you can do as a student is to be visible. So start blogging, start using video particularly, and work out loud. So if you are interested in a career in internal comms, start to write your own content and share value through 
through what you what you've learned and your views on you know there's all sorts of studies constantly there was a study two days ago that came out about a global capabilities framework for comms pros that was launched at the world pr forum in, in oslo in norway and that's the very first time that we've ever had a framework that looks at the skills that you need to be an effective um, comms and pr practitioner so if you were a student and you saw things like that blog about it write about it what do you think do you, do you identify with what's been shared? Do you agree with what's been shared? So just share your thinking. Just just start. Just start to be um, visible. And there are opportunities. I've featured about 250 people on my blog as guest writers over the past nine years. And I constantly appeal for people to share their stories, whether that's work that they're doing. I've had lots of PR students um, blogging for me on what they're studying, what their dissertation topics are, asking for help. So it's an incredibly supportive profession. Yeah. It's one of the friendliest professions, I think, um, going. And, and everyone is, because what we do is so visible, there's a sense of, of of camaraderie, I think, and people helping each other to be better at what they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really good advice, actually, really good advice. And, 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 what, and what different advice, or it may be the same, what would you give to people who are perhaps freelancers, they're professionals, they've been around the block uh, perhaps 10 years already, and they may be about to work for the first time with internal comms professionals? So my advice would be to, to listen within the organisation that you're working in. So don't go in and assume you know how their workforce works. So I spent four and a half years in the railway after my first job in the underground I moved to the overground and I thought I know how the railway works I know how this is going to go and it wasn't the same at all so real lesson for me in going into that organization and now particularly the work that I do I work with various organizations constantly going to different companies is you need to be in listening mode you need to be listening and absorbing the culture look at the language it's used look at the the hierarchy in, in an organization and then make your decisions so don't just go in and think right these are the channels that this company needs new internet or you need an enterprise social network go in with an open mind bring your skills into that organization but take the time to really truly understand how they work because then you'll make the right decisions when it comes to internal comms more good advice thank you very much for that for, sh for sharing that um so let's wrap this up because uh, time has passed and um, tell us how we can get in touch with you and how we can find you and those thousands of blogs that you've written. <laughs> so you can find me online at all things I see. So that's all things I com, And on Twitter, uh, the handle is all things I see. So capital I, capital C. And on LinkedIn as well, just under my name, Rachel Miller. So I'd love to welcome you to my blog. Come and have a, have a rummage. You'll find 1,200 articles and lots of, all for free, lots of advice and guidance. If you're interested in internal comms, then come and learn. I'd love to welcome you there. That was Rachel Miller. If you're intrigued by internal communications, whether you're in need of improving them or looking to work in that environment, I hope this has been a useful episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Rachel runs her own consultancy, and you can find out more at allthingsic.com. You can also check out the episode links in the description. If you've had fun listening, feel free to rate the show on iTunes or leave comments in whatever podcast player you use. I'll see you for the next episode.